When I think about the question, what is our purpose in life? I always remember one man who I got to see him at a nursing home in the final year of his life. And I just go to see him, you know, weekly or a couple, couple times a month at least. And he always had the same question every time I went to see him. Why am I still here? Why does the Lord keep me when all my family is gone? I have no more work to do. I have no purpose on this earth. Why does God keep me here? And all he would do every day, he'd eat, sleep, and he'd go to adoration. And what was revealed to me in that was, number one, how busy my life was. Because we don't have to really think about what our ultimate purpose in life when we have so many little things always going on around. But when those die away, it makes us start to think, what is the ultimate purpose of my existence? Why have I been created when everything around me, little by little, passes away? I've never forgot, forgotten his example at the end of his life. All he could do was sustain his body and adore our Lord. And everything in this world is created for a purpose. Everything has a reason. Right? So like a cup is created so you can drink out of it, a table to eat from it, TV to lose your soul. You know, everything has its end. We were created from all eternity and what's reflected in the Magi to adore the Lord. Lord, let all the nations come to adore you. That is our ultimate purpose for why we were created. And all of eternity will be an adoration of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God and the Holy Trinity. And life on earth is a preparation for our purpose. And we prepare for our purpose in heaven strictly by adoring Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist on this earth. But we all know that that's a battle in our life because it can feel pretty boring at times, right? We have the temptation to distract ourselves or spend so much time adoring other things. To adore means to look at, to gaze upon for a long extended amount of time. How often do we spend adoring our cell phones or adoring a computer screen, adoring a TV? Right? It's so easy to lose ourselves in that, especially when someone gets you with a Xbox, Xbox on your vacation. I had that just this last week and I, could, I couldn't believe it because I hadn't played like video games for years, right? And I, I'd get on it for like an hour at a time and I couldn't take it because as soon as I got off, I felt so empty. Like I had just wasted so much of that day, but it's such a temptation to go towards it. That's the difference with adoration though, I felt. Adoration is very hard to go into, but you always walk away with a sense of peace and a joy and a presence of God. These other things in our life that we are tempted to, to adore and spend much time with, it's like, how do we feel when we actually walk away from it? Well, it's because we're missing the mark of what we're actually created for. And I want to talk about today in that light, the scandal of epiphany. Because the readings that we had today were pretty much a scandal. The fact that the Jews, the very people set apart by God to wait for and welcome the Messiah when he would come, were totally unmoved at his arrival. The gospel says, when the Magi came to Jerusalem seeking the child, King Herod heard this and was greatly troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. So the very city set apart to be the reign of the Messiah was troubled at his coming. It's like the President of the United States returning to the White House in Washington, D.C., and the whole town being troubled. It doesn't make any sense. 
And even though Bethlehem is just like a few miles away from Jerusalem, when the Magi go to seek Christ, the child, who went with him? Nobody. It sounds absurd, but we have to realize what a, what a temptation it is for every one of our lives. The words of William Yeats come to mind from his poem, The Second Coming. The best lack all conviction while the worst are filled with a passionate intensity. How many of those who actually believed in the Messiah weren't even moved to go there, and yet King Herod was filled with a passionate intensity to kill Christ? Well, how many of us Catholics say that we believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is truly present in the Holy Eucharist, in every tabernacle, in every Catholic church that you go to, And yet we feel also unmoved to spend time with him. So we can understand actually there's there's a reality there that we as human beings, it's difficult for us to live according to our purpose on this earth, which is to adore God. And that's why it truly is a battle that we have to go through. You know who the hardest people to convert in the Catholic Church are? Most difficult people? Catholic priests, especially bishops, but I don't want to talk about bishops. I'll talk about Catholic priests. Why do you think Catholic priests are really hard to convert to the truth? Because we think we know it all. We're, we're always around it, right? We've, we've read the gospels. We've gone to mass every single day. We pray our rosaries and little by little, you can actually lose your sense of the divine presence. It's like a, a wife who's heard all of her husband's stories after like 15 years. Like, did I ever tell you the time? Yes, I heard it. Well, what about the time I went, no, I know that too. All right? your, your stories have become like Christmas reruns on TBS every year. So it's like the more you're around certain people, you hear it all the time and you lose your amazement at that. The same thing can happen in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We go to mass all the time. We hear about the salvation that is offered us and it loses its luster for us. We're no longer moved. And one thing that really hit me over this Christmas season is we've had a chapel set aside in my rectory, my house, where we had a tabernacle there, but it hadn't been totally prepared for Christ to actually be placed in the tabernacle. I've been there for four months. At any point when I celebrated Mass, I could have just put Christ in the tabernacle and actually had Jesus in my own house. But I kept finding excuses every time I celebrate Mass in there not to do it until the seminarians came and celebrated a Mass with me and just looked at me like, you have everything here. Why don't you just put Jesus in the tabernacle so you can have him in your home. And I was, I was actually really ashamed when I, I realized how easy it would be. And so we did it. I put Jesus in there and I cannot tell you how transformed uh, my own house has been. It's like a radiance is just coming out of there because now I'm actually living with Christ in my home. But I have become desensitized to that very presence and it can happen to any of us. I want to tell you just one story about a a woman who first really opened my eyes to the gift that we have in the Eucharist. Her name was um, Betty Brennan. And uh, growing up, my relationship with Christ in the Eucharist was really basic. It was just receive Christ and then run out and get donuts as fast as I can before anybody else. And when I heard this testimony, it really shocked me. She, um, She was a woman, and you can actually watch her testimony on YouTube called a former Satanist becomes Catholic. So what happened to her was she was a Christian woman 
but she uh, had a baby girl, her third child, had a brain cancer, so she had to do everything for this baby. And because she had to do everything for this child, the bond became very strong between her and the child. She even had to, like, when she'd feed her, she'd have to, like, move her food down her throat very gently. And she would just pray every single day for God to save her child, protect her child, don't take her child away. Well, when the child was three years old, tragically, she did pass away. She said she went to the funeral service. She left and she came back and she looked at Christ on the cross. She said she didn't feel sadness at that moment, just pure anger. And she said to him, I'm going to get you back. I don't know how, but I'm going to get you back for this. Later on, she was, she was a part of an orchestra, and she noticed that there were some people that she could just very openly talk to about her anger and her sorrow about God. Little did she know that four people in her public orchestra were actually satanic priests. She's like, you think that these Satanists are like, you know, Marilyn Manson and whatnot, the people with all the drugs and the makeup. She goes, that's not the case. They're lawyers, they're doctors, they're very high up people. But these four Satanists that she got close to, one of them especially, she said she was really drawn to him, uh, not knowing he was a Satanist at the time, but he would let her really express her anger against God. And that was attractive to her. And so they began getting a little closer, little by little, until um, she actually started going to their meetings and whatnot. And she said she never understood how true the Catholic Church is until she became a Satanist. She goes, what I realized is Satanists believe in the Catholic Church more than any Catholics I'd ever met. She said, you meet a bona fide witch, someone, a witch in the cult, you could throw a 2,000 hosts in front of them, in front of her, only one of them consecrated. And she would immediately know exactly which host contained the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. I don't want to give away her whole story. Former Satanist becomes Catholic. On YouTube, you can listen to it. It's very, very moving uh, testimony. Basically, she was in it for years. At one point, she'd go to church with a friend of hers, a Catholic church, but she'd always leave before the consecration. She said she could never be there when the consecration actually took place because it was too overpowering for her. And her friend called her out because she's like, every time you're with me, weird things will go off, like the, the lights will turn off or the mic system will go crazy. Sometimes I wonder if we don't have Satanists in here with my mic system always going nuts, but could be technical errors. Um, and at one point she realized that she was in there too long and the priest was going into the consecration. She got really scared and she started sweating and she jumped out of her seat and just ran in the back and she had to go down these steps. And as she was running down these steps, she ran into a priest and knocked him down. The priest got up and ran after her, and he said that, she said when she, he turned around, she was just red in the face. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, tell me who you are. She just, I'm a Satanist. Like she said she couldn't hold it back. And then that became, uh, he actually befriended her. They went through many healing services, and little by little, um, he was able to bring her back. She said once she started receiving Holy Communion, Every time she'd receive the Holy Eucharist, she'd have to go outside and she'd lose her, her insides. She couldn't even contain the host. But she, she said the biggest thing she came away with was realizing how real the sacraments of the Catholic Church are. And she said it was 
the people who hate the Catholic Church the most who made me understand that reality. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. What is our purpose as human beings? It is to adore the Lord. But to actually spend time to come to the church and to gaze upon Jesus Christ day after day, you have to really believe that he's there. And the bishops right now are calling the whole church throughout the world, especially in the United States, to refocus ourselves on the Holy Eucharist for these next three years. So in line with them, I invite every single one of us to make a resolution for how you can develop your relationship with Jesus Christ truly present in the Holy Eucharist. Whether it's just going by a church a day for one minute, just popping in, just to look at him, or spending an hour of adoration a week, no one who spends time in adoration every week ever loses their faith. It's impossible. They'll either stop going to adoration or they'll keep their faith. If we focus this year on cultivating a relationship with Christ in the Eucharist, I can guarantee you this, every other problem will take care of itself because we will be tending to our ultimate purpose in life. And as Christ himself told us, if we put the kingdom of heaven first, everything else will fall in its place. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. That is our purpose. And adoration of Christ in the Holy Eucharist here on earth is what will prepare us for that heavenly purpose for all eternity.